Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Hey, listener, Zach Harper here, Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y 467369. 
Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. <laughs> that just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got into trouble. <laughs> they wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming. It's like... <laughs> Follow us for free on Apple Podcasts and all major podcast platforms. For more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. R Slash is a hilarious podcast where Dabney Bailey uses ridiculous voices and emotions to read aloud the week's craziest Reddit posts. He reenacts various Reddit threads covering wild stories and secrets, petty revenge, relationships, and much more. So if you're looking for a daily distraction and a laugh, check out R Slash wherever you get your podcasts. Zach, I got to commend you on this pick, man. Hey, man. You really understand cinephobe. This is, <laughs> this is easily the the most compelling movie we've done so far. I also watched this with a friend, which I would recommend to the cinephobe listeners out there. Ooh. Get yourself a friend. I don't know, man. <laughs> friend you trust. Um, So it had been a long time since I saw this movie. It is not what I remembered. Amazing. Have you ever seen this before? I had definitely seen this. I don't remember when. I remember most of it, but there were some things I didn't remember for sure. I This is my first time seeing it. Really? Uh, all, yeah. All I knew about this movie was two things. One, it was terrible. And two, it came out either right before or right after um, Halle, won the Oscar, Halle Berry won the Oscars for uh, Monsters Ball. Yeah. And also I knew... Her titties were shown out here. So four things. Okay. Yeah. Well done. Well done, Zach. That's a good joke, right? That was a good that's joke. A, I can't believe no, no, no. <laughs> this that episode's gonna be. This is, but this is, this is. Uh, if you guys remember, like week three of this podcast, I said one of the things that we didn't take into account was the cumulative effect of watching this many bad movies in a row. Yeah, basically on a weekly basis, we are consuming more bad, concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. I mean, so, this is this is what we're built for, though. Oh, man, I don't know if I'm built for it, man. <laughs> I have to look at myself. And there was a def- there's definitely a scene of me in the bathroom, like having just splashed water on my face and then looking up in the mirror and not recognizing the creature I saw across from me. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing is because I'll say like I started. So I watched it last night. Uh, so I, I started to watch it. So I, I went to I went to um, Ian Carmel had a comedy show last night, a stand up show that he was hosting. So I went to that. But so I was going to I was going to get this movie over with before that. And I turned it on like three hours before, or two hours before I had to leave. And I was just like, 
I don't have it in me right now. I can't do it. Like I, I just like, like I don't have it in me. Like it's this is gonna have to be either a late night thing or an early morning thing. And then when I got back home, I got back home at like I don't know ten fifteen, ten thirty, something like that. And I go to like I get my laptop to take notes, and I go to you know to 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 turn it on. I was like. Oh man, well, I have to go to the studio tomorrow and we're, and we're recording it too. So I'm, I don't have time to do it any other time, but now, but I was trying to find a loophole to get out of, to get out of watching this, like in the moment twice, because it, it was, there was this moment where I was just like, God, I wish we were, I just wish we were doing something else right now. <laughs> to, to be honest, compared to many of the other movies that we've watched, it definitely did a better job of having a cohesive like plot did it don't get car- don't get carried away i mean <laughs> i don't know that i agree with that <laughs> okay well, i guess we got to get this thing started then you know the problem of hollywood is they make shit unbelievable unremarkable shit so i was legitimately offended you were offended. I, was a- I was offended. i didn't know you could get offended i was offended this did it it absolutely, I was absolutely offended. Look, I think I think the physics will back me up on this. Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm there holding a mic in my hands, and now I'm talking yeah, all over. <laughs> We break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amin El Hassan, Anthony Mace, producing the show. The podcast we do about bad movies that we don't think get enough respect, or maybe they get too much respect from certain people. This week on Cinephobe, uh, I put the 2001 sexual thriller Swordfish. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> apt way to describe it. Uh, if I had to just like have one takeaway from this movie is there's a lot of like just random, aggressively sexual conversation in this movie and i say random because it's not like there's actual sex happening although there are although there are a couple of scenes where where it's just like wait why uh but but it's just like i'm just gonna say something overtly sexual just because just because i mean it's like the it's like maxim magazine made an action movie (laughs) that's what it felt like uh for those of you don't know this stars john travolta and hugh jackman as the protagonist antagonist pairing i guess you swapped those the antagonist protagonist pairing uh it was jackson it was hugh jackman's uh first big role since playing wolverine in the first x-men movie so that was kind of his like big break and then this was his first big movie after that yeah um, uh the swordfish actually had a pretty good cast because uh, in supporting role you have Halle Berry you have Don Cheadle yeah uh you have uh what's my man that Bullet plays Tooth the, Tony Bullet Tooth Tony yeah, Vinnie Bullet Jones Tooth, yeah Vinnie Jones there you go yeah uh so you know for for a movie that, that is fairly terrible you know they, they came with the they came with the cast here yeah yeah man it had a big budget it had a it had a big cast um I so I think I what I want to do moving forward is try to put where this the actors careers were like do a better job of that so hugh jackman was just coming off of the first x-men movie playing wolverine john travolta was coming off of battlefield earth and lucky numbers 
Uh, the only reason I included Lucky Numbers is because a friend of mine's house in Sacramento uh, is in part of that movie. That they, That's where they filmed part of that movie. So that's the only reason I mentioned that. Halle Berry was in her first movie since X-Men and also had Monsters Ball coming out that year, which she obviously won the wow. award for. Uh, three years from being Catwoman. Which may wow. be a future episode. Uh, Don Cheadle was coming off of traffic and was about to be in Ocean's Eleven. I hadn't placed that. I, I for some reason I already thought Ocean's Eleven had happened, but I was way off of my timeline. Uh, by the way, just as a as an aside, in the cast, this is one of the funniest things. The hostages feature an inordinate amount of Travoltas. Hostage number 11, Sam Travolta. Hostage number four, Anne Travolta. Hostage number five, Margaret T- Travolta. Man, this yeah. is uh, it's impressive. It this is, is impressive. what you're supposed to do, right? That's how you're supposed to flex. While we're naming actors, family members, one of the Bullet Tooth Tony's partner is Tom Cruise's brother, William Mapether. Oh, that's really. I didn't know they were brothers. Yeah, he he was in Lost, and that's yeah. how I learned that he was Tom Cruise's brother. But he just kept his given name. Oh my god! Oh, this guy. But this guy. Oh, oh man. man, his hair. His hair his really hair bothered me. Really, really face. bothered me. Oh yeah. man, if you're Tom Cruise, you're glad that he kept his given name. <laughs> he probably ensured that it that he kept the name. He didn't want him to take Cruise as well. He, right. he said, "Stay off my block." This movie is written by Skip Woods, who also wrote uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, wrote the A Team, and A Good Day to Die Hard. So some real bangers in there. Uh, uh, so he's a should be a cinnable favorite then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, directed by Dominic Senna, uh, who also directed Gone in sixty seconds. Um, but I think that based on looking at his IMDb, I think this movie effectively ended his career as a director. Yeah, it was really there's sad. Not, there's not really anything sad. after this. And what he, it looked like he started as like Janet Jackson's music video director. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a lot of like, a lot of music videos, a lot of short videos. Um, synopsis for swordfish from IMDb, a covert counterterrorist unit called black cell led by Gabriel Shear. Spoiler alert. What's that? <laughs> I mean, that's it's a synopsis. I know, they're blowing it. Wants the money to help finance their war against international terrorism, but it's all locked away. Gabriel brings in convicted hacker Stanley Jobson to help What him. a name, by the way. Jobson. This movie just features a lot of, like, uh, it's, it's, I can just imagine the bros getting together having some beers, maybe a couple bong rips and banging this out in about a couple hours. I'm telling you, man, it's an FHM script. Like, that's what it is. Is it an FHM script? <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Uh, by the way, I, I came up with a note before we get into this. Uh, I feel like if your name is Gabriel, you're a villain in a movie. Yeah, there are no good Gabriels. Right. Yeah. I don't think there is one. Uh, the tagline for this movie, I love the taglines. Once you know the password, you can go anywhere. <laughs> you know, one of the funny things about this movie is that it's ostensibly it's about hacking. Sure. Right. Which is, I guess I could see the bros sitting around in a room thinking like, it's cool as a concept, but it's kind of boring. So we need to punch it up with things <laughs> To kind of distract that this is a movie about hacking, and so you get a lot of a lot of the, the well, a lot of lines like this. Someone's cock is liable to wind up on the block. <laughs> I, just, 
I just shrugged and I was like, what, are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like if someone used that expression to me, like to, you know, like to describe the situation, I think I'd stop the conversation and say, well, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like what does that even mean? <laughs> like that, that would that would completely distract from the moment. Liable to be on the block, and it ain't gonna be mine. Like which block? Okay? Like a chopping block? Is that what happens? I don't know. Like I know you cut off a hand in parts of the world where if you've been caught stealing. What are they caught doing here? I don't know. I don't know. Hundred and two million dollar budget. Uh, gross $69.7 million in the U.S., $147 million worldwide. And my Hallie tits, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what did it. Um, but kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting tidbit about this is um, they pulled it, right? Didn't they pull this movie because of 9-11? Yeah, so this is the funny thing. It's all about t- – I, so I wrote a note here somewhere. It's all about counterterrorism and, and like, uh, spoiler alert, you know, it, it, this dude's plan is to counter terrorist acts of terrorist acts of his own, basically out terrorizing the terrorists, thus scaring terrorists from doing stuff. And then 9-11 happens. Like, ah, maybe, man. <laughs> but but the, when he reveals that this is his plan and this is his his mission, uh, he says, you know, we you know, he, he calls it war. Got to get ready for war. And. Hugh Jackman asks, who are we at war with? And that's where I put in the notes, ah, uh, pre-9-11. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it was a simpler time, I mean. Simpler time. Who are we at war with? I don't know. Is Could this be anybody. Uh, this is, uh, is this our second 9-11 film? Knowing? Well, knowing, no, knowing happened after 9-11. Which well, but, we but he didn't know that. Apparently not. He had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> he had to Google it. Um, all right. Uh, if you want to... We're about to jump in tons of spoilers. I mean, aside from the synopsis spoiler that was already given, apparently, uh, this is available on Netflix if you want to watch Swordfish. Did you see that it was called Swordfish Password Accepted? <laughs> no. On Netflix? What? I was so confused because it had, like, Password Accepted in smaller font, kind of like for an unrated DVD cover or something like that. Oh. And I, tr- I tried to look it up. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't figure out if this was an extended unrated version, but... For it, on Netflix, it says Swordfish password accepted. Well, we did get two different uh, shots of Hallie's tits, so maybe it was the extended unrated version. There you go. Uh, there's one. There's one moment where uh, in the in the trivia it says this plot line was considered a far fetched notion to viewers of a movie that was released three months before September 11th. Ah, nice, awesome. Uh, do we have any uh, Rotten Tomato reviews? Oh. Boy, do we, I mean. So, Swordfish has a 26% from critics, which is higher than I thought it would be, on 138 reviews. But the audience, oh, the audience loves this. 60% on over 244,000 ratings. Hallie's tits, man. That's what it is. That's really should not password accepted. It should have just been Swordfish colon Hallie's tits. Because that's really like, that's got it. I do wonder how much that drove interest to this movie i remember hearing about that when i was 12 yeah right that was the big deal half million to go topless so uh david and, and Ans- by the way she left money on the table she should have got way more way more way more way more uh david anson of newsweek 
It's a good thing the action is noisily distracting because you don't want any downtime in which to ponder the plausibility or the sense of anything that is happening. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, this is actually, I'm going to save this one. I'm going to save this one for the, the last review. Uh, uh, Dasan Thompson of the Washington Post, an action opera designed to elicit Beavis and Butthead level appreciation. Hmm. Again, <laughs> I, that makes sense. Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post. Nobody really cares about the plot, least of all the filmmakers. Yes. By the way, how many people the Washington Post send to watch this movie? That's a great question. <laughs> I get, yeah, everyone put in a request. Uh, I heard Ellie's tits is going to be in this one. So, uh... Uh, Jeff Pavere of the Toronto Star. The kind of movie where glass smashing in slow motion serves the same function as extended guitar solos did in 70s rock concerts. That's good writing. Um, Any positives? uh, Let me see. Not on this page. Green green tomato. Give me a good green tomato here. Yeah, let's try to find... uh, Roger Ebert. Chicago Sun-Times gave it a two and a half out of four. It's skillfully mounted and fitfully intriguing. I don't know what that in a, means. In a, in a weird way, I agree to that too. Um, oh, what else do we have? Uh, uh, Glenn Lovell of San Jose Mercury News. It's the adrenaline rush of the year. Oh wow! I know it. I know it got Glenn's uh, adrenaline rush. <laughs> Owen Gleberman of Entertainment Weekly. A good movie? Hardly but more than enough to pass a dog day afternoon. That's subversive. Yeah, that's a little, did. that's a little hint there. It gave it a B. Yeah, he, 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 he definitely jerked off in the theater. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, right. This is my favorite negative review though. Michael Atkinson of the village voice. The story is dot, dot, dot. Just what the, or just what fills in the gaps between slow motion fireballs, matrix style, frozen mayhem, and Halle Berry's notoriously undraped breasts. Wow. Notoriously. Well, notoriously right. undraped. I find that to be an uncomfortable way to describe breasts. Is it? I don't or... like undraped at all. Like if you if you if you're like if you were like, hey, how'd it go with that with the girl last night? Oh, you know, she she undraped her breasts. Notoriously. Notoriously. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you were in for a wild night. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't, I, man, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. The more I watched it this time, I was less focused on the bad and more focused on being confused. Like, I don't think I paid attention last time I watched it. This time, this time really got me. Um, I know one scene that you paid attention to. <laughs> which scene was that? The scene where he meets his child for the first time. No, come on, man. The scene with Hallie Tits. Okay, so uh, let's get into the plot of this whole thing. Uh, my first note. Actually, I like to. I like to start. Off, let's start off with Amin's first note, which is always the title of his note section for a movie. Uh, yeah, my note was unnecessarily deep speech. <laughs> Wait, unnecessary deep speech has to be trolling. Because when you hear what he's talking about and you realize how bad this movie is, there's no way. Like that, this was actually the, the part where it gave me hope. I said maybe this is all tongue in cheek. Yeah. And then I and then I actually watched the movie and I said no, 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 it's, no, it's it's being self aware with having no idea that it's self aware. If that makes yes. sense. 
Uh, my first note is, is that a teardrop soul patch from John Travolta? Yeah, sure what is. do we call that? I, I wrote soul strip. Oh, soul landing strip. No, landing strip's something else. For downstairs, yeah. I know, but that's what it is, though. Is it upstairs fl- landing strip? Is flavor, it upstairs flavor landing saver. strip? Isn't it called it's a double-decker fl- landing strip? No, flavor saver is like the whole soul patch. This is a straight line down. <laughs> yeah. Concentrated flavor saver. Oh, wait, here we go. Fruit, fruit roll up. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a fruit roll-up. I'm I'm good with that. I I had the note of just why are we breaking the fourth wall right away? Are we breaking the fourth wall? Did this podcast rip off Swordfish? Because the first th- the first thing is that I mean the first line is you know what the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. It's our new slogan. <laughs> you know the problem with Hollywood is they make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. Now, I'm not some grungy wannabe filmmaker that's searching for existentialism through a haze of bong smoke or something. No, it's easy to pick apart bad acting, short-sighted directing, and the purely moronic stringing together of words that many of the studios term as prose. No, I'm talking about the lack of realism. Realism. Not a pervasive element in today's modern American cinematic vision. Take Dog Day Afternoon, for example. Arguably Pacino's best work, short of Scarface and Godfather Part 1, of course. Masterpiece of directing, easily Lamette's best. The cinematography, the acting, the screenplay, all top-notch. But... They didn't push the envelope. Now, what if in Dog Day, Sonny wanted to get away with it? Really wanted to get away with it? What if, now this is the tricky part. What if he started killing hostages right away? No mercy, no quarter. Meet our demands are the pretty blonde and the bell bottoms gets it in the back of the head. Bam, splat. What, still no bus? Come on. How many innocent victims splattered across a window would it take to have the city reverse its policy on hostage situations? And this is 1976. There's no CNN. There's no CNBC. There's no, there's no internet. Now, fast forward to today, present time, same situation. How quickly would the modern media make a frenzy over this? In a matter of hours, it would be the the biggest story from Boston to Budapest. Ten hostages die. Twenty, thirty, relentless, bam, bim, one after another. All caught in high def, computer enhanced, color corrected. Can practically taste the brain matter. All for what, a bus, a plane? couple of million dollars it's federally insured I don't think so but just a thought I mean it's not within the realm of conventional cinema but what if well there's a problem with that movie really it wouldn't work. How come? Audiences love happy endings. Pacino escapes with the money. Boyfriend gets a sex change. Live happily ever after. No? No. Ah, homophobia. Bad guy can't win. It's a morality tale. One way or the other, he's got to go down. Hmm. Well, 
life is stranger than fiction sometimes. I got jacked up for this, dude. I was so excited. This monologue, I'm like, wow, I did not remember this movie starting like no, this. No, I don't, I don't know. It made me think, I don't know that I've ever seen the start of this movie. Skip Woods is just, you know, full of meta commentary that he had to get out in this movie. Can I point out something that John Travolta has played the villain like now several times in movies. And every time I think to myself, you know why he doesn't make a good villain? Because besides the fact of how ridiculous he looks, like I can't, I can never be intimidated by his face. More importantly, his voice, he doesn't have a good villain voice. He has a friendly voice. Even when he's saying quote-unquote menacing stuff, it's just too friendly. You yeah. guys understand, you get that feeling? Yeah, he just looks like he's having too much fun the whole time. Yeah, for, too much, he's just friendly. <laughs> for me, the only time that voice has ever worked as a villain, just that type of voice in general, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. It's the only time I've bought that kind of voice, that kind of demeanor with, uh, with being a villain. So, yeah, it doesn't – I mean, I don't know. Face-off – I guess face-off works. Well, I mean, most of face-off, he's, he's playing – doesn't he play the – wait. He's playing Cage as himself. Right. He's playing Cage know. hiding into his – it's – that's – They both, that's they both have doofy voices, by the way, that makes them very bad villains. So, uh, I don't know. Well, that's why Cage should be the hero all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I also put the note in that those blowtorch lighters make me want to take up smoking. Oh, yeah. I love a good blowtorch lighter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I was like, I, I can. And there's always the thing where it's like, I'm going to grab a can of shaving cream and then, like, make a even larger blowtorch with this. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. To create a uh, weaponizer. There were a lot of tea kettles. A lot of tea kettles in that first scene when he's sitting down. And. And so he goes through this whole speech, and then it kind of pans out, and you see that Don Cheadle and Hugh Jackman are sitting there, to which I wrote the note, wait, he was talking to people this whole time because it doesn't seem like the type of speech. You would tell someone, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. This first this first scene is so confusing, and it's just because he wanted to start it with the monologue. Yeah, and they say, like, you know, he says the bad guy bad guys can't win in movies, and that's why Hollywood's messed up. And I, and I wrote the note, isn't this a movie? What's going on? exactly skip really just you know he flipped the entire hollywood narrative on its head yeah and so he basically gets up he leaves there's all these swat member uh, swat team members uh, with guns drawn and he's and he's like he's got a detonator in his hand he's just saying like you know come on to hugh jackman i'm sorry stanley jobson he's the man for the job and we're just in the middle we're just in the middle of a hostage scene and we don't know how we got there Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hostages with bombs. They're led onto a bus. They're in a bank. Uh, I, apparently, Tom Cruise's brother, I wrote the, the note, this guy has the most infuriating blonde hair I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, then he gets capped. Yeah, then he gets capped. Yeah, Travolta has, uh, you know, keeps all these bomb-strapped hostages in a bank with dog collars. So if they go past the dog collar sensor fence, you know, they get too far away. What would normally zap a dog is now will now blow up a person. Sniper takes out the blonde guy. A cop, uh, a cop grabs the hostage, and I wrote the note. This is not protocol at all. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, yeah. These cops were very reckless for for who are supposed to be highly trained SWAT team members. I mean, could not have gone against the book more. The hostage blows up. I thought that explosion was freaking hilarious. It is. 
it's so bad. And I put the note, this is not the best CGI I've ever seen. You guys can still eat a dick for disparaging knowing. So that's to both of you. Because you guys <laughs> shit you. all Thank over you for that. Thank all you for over that. knowing. <laughs> this is this was my first note of many notes where I'm like, oh yeah, it's two thousand one and everyone is ripping off the Matrix. Yep. Yep. Because it was so, bullet time around the the explosion lady. Uh, so I got two notes from this from the trivia on IMDb. The dramatic explosion at the start of the film was captured using 135 synchronized still cameras. Yep. And the opening scene of Swordfish is the most complicated visual effect in Warner Brothers history. It was shot using Matrix-like effects by frantic films of Winnipeg, Manitoba. The effect has so many composites in it that the producers and the director of the film could not determine what was real and what was created by the computer. Wow. I could. I felt like I I did a good job of it as well. This is like this is like when we talked about playing NBA 2K on Dreamcast when it came out. Yes, and 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 it was, I I remember legit thinking like, wait, are they playing a video game or is this really the game happening? <laughs> and now you go back and you watch the footage and like, Jesus Christ, this is bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I wrote I wrote the next note. This blast radius looks like a terrible video game animation. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then we get this ball bearing. I guess there were ball bearings attached to. the hostage setup or something ball bearing rolls to well, Hugh Jackman that's, that's, and he can that, see himself in the reflection of the ball bearing. Well, here's the thing. So like the Travolta tells Don Cheadle on the phone, all these hostages have like are strapped with C4 and also like 20 pounds of ball bearing. So not only will they explode if you try to do anything funny, but the ball bearings will go out and like shrapnel everybody. Right. Yeah. And so meanwhile, like the SWAT team people are just acting willy nilly, and uh, Don Tito's saying, "Release her, let her go." And I'm, I'm thinking, bro, you want to tell them about the whole, right? Yeah, situation? you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're on the phone the whole time, and and they're just going against any order. Like they don't follow any orders. Nobody. Yeah, SWAT they're team. All, they're doing their whole thing. They're doing. Hey, their don't fire! Thing. Sniper shoots. Hey, yeah. don't grab her. Steel well, takes her away. Well, the sniper shot because I thought someone said the word shoot, but not like it was in the context of only, like, well, he, he looks like he's about to shoot. Did someone say shoot? And then he just <laughs> let's loose. So now we cut to an airport where I wrote the note, Rob Palenka just picked up his bag at the airport. <laughs> this guy looks like oh, Rob no. Palenka. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to start with <laughs> the five days earlier tagline. Oh, four right. Di- four di- I said it reminds me of Rick and Morty, and if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a Rick and Morty episode. Uh, I believe Look Who's Purging Now is the name of the episode. Maybe I don't need a new friend. JC, maybe you're the only friend I need. Blaine, need or want. JC, I've never been much for wanting. Blaine, spoken like someone with needs. Oh, jeez. Hmm? Uh, sorry, C- keep going. JC reaches out and touches his face. It's clear he needs what she wants. She's a woman. He's a man. The city burns in the background as he takes her in his arms. Fade out. Title. The end. Question mark. Wow. Yeah. It's... Good Good job. Good job. You liked it? Of course I did. You didn't laugh at the scene in the bar. I thought it was funny, but I wanted to hear the rest. Do you have any thoughts? Notes? No. I, I just enjoyed it. That's my note, you know? Please write more. Seems a little insincere. What? No. You don't have to mollycoddle me. I want to improve my writing. Tell me your real thoughts. All right. Well, um, I'm not a huge fan personally of the whole three weeks earlier teaser thing. I feel like, you know, we should start our stories where they begin, not start them where they get interested. Get out. 
Um, what? No, I'm sick of this. You bang on my door, you beg me to help you, I share something personal with you, and you take a giant shit on it. Hey, man, we asked if we could put up a beacon. Well, you can't. I want you out of here. You're a petty person and you're insecure. And you're taking it out of me. That's a good script. What the hell? I don't care. I want you out. What? Take that thing down. Your grandson is a shitty person. Leave now. Morty. Rick, I didn't do anything. I sat through his entire screenplay. You sat through it? Yes. D did you want me to weep with joy? It's terrible. Whoa, Morty. We're guests here. I tried to be a good guest. He dragged it out of me. I'm taking down this beacon. No, stop. That's not fair. Just because you hate your own writing doesn't make me a bad person. <laughs> you like that? You want me to cut to three weeks earlier when you were alive? <laughs> And that's all I could think about right there. So, <laughs> um, so this, so Rob Palenka is a is a hacker. Customs is going through his bag and his laptop. Uh, they notice multiple passports. One's from Germany. One's from Finland. They take him into uh, a holding room, and he escape. He tries to escape to an elevator, except he's not really escaping. He's just slowly walking. I, I did not get that. Like, what was his? I don't know. I don't know. But they they take him down. Um, and arrest him. Uh, then we cut to a senator in Washington, D.C. They they cut to a lot of different areas of the country as if to make it seem like that things mattered where they were, were or like where they were. Yeah, just, uh, just to make things look like they're happening. Now. Yeah. And so uh, the senator played by Sam Shepard and some kind of agent are talking about the about Rob Palenka getting nabbed at the airport. Um there's not really anything interesting about that conversation other than he's a hacker. Uh, no. And, no, no, no. There is something interesting about that conversation. That's where the line, someone's cock is live oh. lined up on the block. The senator says this, and the guy just got the agent, kind of just takes it. Like, okay. So then, oh, then we cut to Midland, Texas at an oil field. And this is where Halle Berry is driving up in a convertible to a trailer where Hugh Jackman, a.k.a. Stanley Jobson, is golfing on the roof of his trailer in a towel. The shittiest small little towel I've ever seen. Yeah. She's eating a lot of licorice. I think, is that because it matches her outfit? That's what I kept thinking. But then she eats like a red straw or later, like one of those, yeah. like almost sour punch straws or whatever. Weird character note. Yeah. Maybe that's where Brad Pitt got the idea to eat in every movie. Brad Pitt has a, uh, does what in every movie? He eats. He's like snacking in every yeah, movie. That's the Ocean's Eleven thing. In every scene, Rusty is eating a hot dog or something. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and so she tells him her name is Ginger. He gives the clever line, where's Gilligan? It's a cool yeah, reference. Uh, yeah. Sick references yeah, in this movie, by the way. Yeah, great yeah, references yeah. in 2001. Uh, she t lets us know, uh, she informs us that he was once the most oh. dangerous hacker in America. By the way, I, f I forgot, I forgot the monologue he says at the beginning. One of the things he points out is that Dog Day Afternoon, which is one of the greatest movies ever made, wasn't quite realistic enough. Right. Yeah. Taking shots at Dog Day during a hostage scene. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Skip was on another level writing this movie, dude. Yeah. That level is called cocaine. <laughs> cocaine cocaine <laughs> um and she keeps saying that her employer wants to meet him she's unhappy with his golf swing he's terrible at it so she shows him how it's done in a mean she crushes the ball. but what was the point of that i don't know like i thought at some point that would be relevant again and that's and then all the bros in the room with the with crushing the the beers. Yeah, yeah. Yo, what if this hot chick could could hit a golf ball better than him? That'd be wild. Oh man. Um, he gets dressed. He's got a single hoop earring on. I made that note. Yes, I noticed that from the very opening scene because we see him from behind. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she says her employer will pay him just to meet him. Uh, and he's got to go to work. She then cuts and we find out, we find out his, his, uh, his vice, his weakness. It's his daughter, Holly. Cause she well, says, spoke, spoke to Holly lately and he throws her out of his trailer. Yeah, he shoves her out of the trailer. Shoves her very, out. Very violently, but yeah. not before that scene gives us the second overtly sexual line for no reason where, you know, his trailer is a piece of shit. It's a dumb. Yeah. And so he's getting dressed. And she said, and he apologized said, if, I, if I'd known you were coming, I would have cleaned up. And she gets down on her knees and says, I'm not here to suck your dick, Stanley. And I just said, what the fuck? That's what we call foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman calls his wife, uh, played by Drea DiMatteo. Only reason I mentioned that is that she in the show Sons of Anarchy she plays a drug addict in this movie. She's from The Sopranos too. Drug addict. Oh yeah, she's in The Sopranos where she's an alcoholic and, she, and a drug addict. Or she's, she's also, also a drug addict. A drug addict. Yeah. yeah. So she's typecast. It's her brand, dude. She's she's mastered the brand of being trashy yet hot and having like Patty and Selma voice. We love to smoke <laughs> till our lungs turn gray. We love. To smoke <laughs> 17 packs a day yeah that's my type that's my that type is. right there she does it for <laughs> um he wants to talk to his daughter she says it's illegal and that and lets us know he spent two years in prison bunch of costumes and video cameras everywhere and she tells him larry is her father now by the way guys larry is the porn king of southern california that's what he tells us and she says Larry's a film financier, and that's where I wrote the note. Is there a porn king of Northern California? That's exactly what I thought, Zach. Well, I'm <laughs> glad we we're on the same page. I wanted I wanted to know why he didn't call him just the porn king of California. Yeah. Was there someone up in San Jose who was like, whoa, 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 whoa yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Relate. Not in our valley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hallie's still there. She's waiting outside. She knows all about the porn king, knows his court situation. She tosses him an accordion folder with a hundred grand in it, says the employer just wants to meet one time. Now we cut to the FBI headquarters in LA. And the agents are talking to Rob Palenka. Uh, who, now, who now refuses to speak English, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. He's I, only speaking I, Finnish. I don't know or German, actually. Oh, is he speaking, speaking German? According to the closed captioning, they might they might also be assholes who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. It's something German. It sounds yeah. German. <laughs> the bros did the closed yeah. captioning as well. <laughs> uh, so his lawyer says that Finland doesn't recognize his crimes as crimes and their laws don't apply, which I, I wrote the note. I don't think that's a legal precedent. Yeah, that, that, that's not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> but for uh, the bros, it's enough. Yeah, Don Cheadle is grilling him to figure out why he risked it all to come to the U.S., Asks, well, uh, and and uh, Don Cheadle delivers this line. He looks at the lawyer and says, how much do you weigh? Yeah. We'll call you if we need you. Eat a dick. Yeah, oh, drunk. by the way. Oh, and I forgot another sexual line. Look, we're, we're like four scenes into this movie. And we're already like, we got another one here. Uh, it, uh, Hugh Jackman's wife or ex-wife says, you know, he'll go to jail and, quote, she'll, quote, Pay two ball-busting skinheads to make a playground out of your ass. Yeah, that's aggressive. I mean, just like, I, I don't know why, you know, that would ever be the thing that you say to someone on the phone. Yeah, 
It's a good question. It's a good question. Don Cheadle's grilling Rob Palenka now. Um, yeah, he throws him out, throws the lawyer out, says, eat a dick as the door closes, which I actually laughed. I thought that was a good line. Uh, I wrote the note. None of this seems legal. Now, bullet tooth Tony and blonde guy are walking the halls. Um, and then I wrote the note jealous of the blonde guy's cell phone. Cause it was the cell phones that opened up from the oh, middle. Yeah. I yes. love that. I love the that. Slide cell out. Phone. Yeah. Slide out from the Never had one of those. Always wanted real? one. Yeah, oh, I, I had one. Oh, Did it was you? Great man, it was great. Like when it would ring and you answered, you like hit the little switch and the, the thing would block. It's me talking. Like, oh man, it, it was a cool thing. It was a cool oh, time man. to have. So, so for me, the flip phone, where like you could set it to where if you just open the flip phone, it answered the call. You know? Oh yeah. To me, yeah. to me, that was that was always cool. But yeah, I always wanted the the open from the middle. Oh god. Wait, hold on. Do you did you answer that phone by saying this is a mean talking? Yeah. <laughs> Only, only in mixed company though. Like we, you, know, let, let the, you want to let these hoes know, man. Like, yo, I'm rolling deep with my phone. My phone is next, next shit. Um, so the blonde guy fakes a call to Don Cheadle to get him out of the room, but uh, but before that, we get a little a little explanation of who this this mysterious guy is, who's just John Travolta. He exists in a world beyond your world. What we only fantasize, he does. He lives a life where nothing is beyond. But you know what? It's all a facade. For all his charm and charisma, his wealth, his expensive toys, he is a driven, unflinching, calculating machine takes what he wants when he wants and disappears so how do i find him you don't find him he finds you and as they are saying this they are showing us footage of john travolta in uh getting out of a very fancy car and going into a club where the bouncer just kind of waves him in yeah and got mad hose at him and shit like that but he's but here's the here's the part I love. I mean, is when he gets out of the car, he does a spin yes, for no does. reason. Yes, there he is does. there is no reason to do a spin there. He just gets out of the car and he just does a spin and then walks in the direction he would have been going in the, anyway. Zach, that's what he meant when he said he lives in a world where we only fantasize. <laughs> you, you fantasize a random spins. This motherfucker's out here doing. Should I start getting out of the car and doing a spin? Only in slow motion. <laughs> Says it's all a facade for all his charm and charisma, his wealth, his expensive toys. He's a driven, unflinching, calculating machine. Okay, so like that line makes no sense in the sense of this. For all his this, this, and this, the next line should be the opposite of whatever he just said, right? Yeah. For all of his, he's still lonely or he still doesn't have like, like he he still can't buy companionship. Not... For all of his like wealth, he's also yeah. very driven. Like, cool, no, okay. for, it's for for all for all of this. I mean, he's exactly what you would expect him to be. <laughs> <laughs> he takes what he wants when he wants, and he disappears. And that's when Don Cheadle says, "How do you find him?" He says, "You don't find him. 
he finds, he finds you. you. Yeah, that that was another just clear Matrix oh. reference because he's basically like the same description as Morpheus. Yeah, and and that's what I, I wrote the note. I want someday for someone to say that about me. You don't find yeah. Zach Harbor. He finds you. Um, let's see. Bad guys fake the phone call from the assistant director of the FBI. Don Cheadle leaves the room. Rob Palenka walks to the two-way glass. But what, Pal- here's the thing: the bad guys both walked into the 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 observation room on the other side of the two-way glass. Yeah. Why were there no law enforcement people in that room? That's a great question. <laughs> no one follows room. protocol. Also, no one saw them leave the room after. Yeah. You know, whatever. They pull a they put a bullet in his brain. Uh, in the in Rob Palenka's brain. Well, he like walks over. He like sticks his tongue out at the mirror. He, well, he, he flips does, it yeah. off, and then they yeah. and then they blow his brains out. They shoot up the lawyer. Um, in which I wrote the note. Why is it called two two way glass? Isn't that just glass? Because it's not two way. It's one way. It's one way glass, but it's called two way glass when you get into interrogation rooms and stuff. I thought it was called one way glass. I thought they always call it two way glass. Also, two way glass doesn't make any sense. Because isn't it like calling a basketball player a two-way player? Isn't he just a basketball player? Oh, my God. This is terrible. A one-way mirror, also called two-way mirror. Yeah. How does that make sense? Or one-way glass, half-silvered mirror, and semi-transparent mirror. Yeah. This is bullshit. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. One-way glass. John Shield discovers it's a fake call, but it's too late. They're dead. Uh, now we get to Hallie bringing uh, Hugh Jackman to John Travolta. They meet at a nightclub with a giant glass dinner table. I wrote a note that the, that to- Bullet Tooth Tony's uh, dyed hair, and it is—I mean, it is jet black. It is a—it is an aggressive jet black. Is the opposite of the blonde hair. Uh, I, partner, I'm texting you guys right now the picture I took of Bullet Tooth Tony's suit because <laughs> this thing. This thing is, is just something else. Like, do you guys remember what what he was wearing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, what? Are you, what the fuck is he wearing? Looks, I mean, it looks like it looks like a 1999 draft suit <laughs> at the NBA, right? Like, and, and the other the other thing uh, that I was thinking about was, you know, Halle Berry tells Hugh Jackman, "You should have let me buy you a suit." He's like, "I'm comfortable wearing what I'm wearing." As he's walking to the club, and it, I remember the. The like early two thousands slash mid two thousands where people wore suits to go to the club, man. Yeah, it was a wild time. Oh, it was a crazy time. Um. Okay, so now John Travolta gets a laptop brought to Hugh Hugh Jackman at the uh, at the table. It's got a Department of Defense login screen, and Hugh Jackman says, "You know, I can't touch that." And then he does a shot of tequila. This woman Helga, who John Travolta brings over. Um, she does a shot of tequila, but instead of swallowing the shot, she spits it in Hugh's mouth. So I, wrote the, I wrote the question: Is that sexy? Because that's I was, disgusting. No. I was trying. I was trying to think whether there was some. It was actually poison, or right. like, a, like or some serum, or whatever. And, and no, no, she just. I think she just was trying to seduce him by spitting in his mouth. Yeah, don't ever spit in someone's mouth. Well, not if you're a stranger. <laughs> It's also not just like into his mouth. It's kind of like all over his face. Yeah, and he didn't seem to enjoy it. Uh, no, but then he did enjoy it because she starts blowing him uh, right, against so, his so, will. Yeah. So they say you got sixty seconds to hang into this thing, and and he's like, this could take an hour at least. And so she starts blowing him. John Travolta starts counting down from sixty, and then 
Vinny Jones pulls out a gun and points to his head, and I said, "What's the point of the blowjob if there's a gun to the head?" Right. Also, also, and now he's now he's trying and he's failing. As like he's failing, and, and he's obviously very affected by her blowjob skills. And I say to myself, "Why does he feel the need to not bust in her mouth?" Like, right. Yeah. Just get that old, yeah. You might yeah, be dead like, in forty seconds anyway. Like, just bro, go, bro. Why are you fighting it? <laughs> Who are you trying to impress right here? But this is where, where this is where Maxim Magazine's script was just phenomenal because it's not just enough to like gun to the head, like you know he's got to hack something that would take an hour and sixty seconds. It's yo, what if this girl was blowing him to distract him? <laughs> How sick would that be? What is the term for this? Like what? A blowjob? A blowjob while you're with a gun to your head while hacking. Uh, I don't know, but I renamed him Hugh Hackman after this. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I I would say the term for this is called sword fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think probably my favorite moment in the movie is when they close the see-through curtains. Yeah. Oh my god. Yo, oh, what yeah. is what is that? Yo. Not... <laughs> Great job. It looked like it. Look, I mean, it. It looked like a, I, like they put cellophane over a mesh net, <laughs> right? Or like one of those rope ladders. It looked like a fucking shower curtain. Yeah. It, it, yes. And 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 beyond that, also, given that they can do whatever the fuck they want or whatever, why do they care if people can see this guy getting blown? On the table? Yeah, they're doing. They're doing everything else there. Doesn't make any sense. So yeah, he. I, I wrote the note. He wasted twelve seconds before he started hacking. <laughs> he, he sure did. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he gets denied. Twenty seconds left. He he claps to focus, but then gets denied again. Actually, you know what? I got to give it up for Hugh Hackman in, in this scene. I thought he did a good job, considering how ridiculous of a scenario it was supposed to be. You know what? I was going to disagree, but I I think you're right. Like he looked stressed. <laughs> he does look stressed. <laughs> And aroused at the same time. The t- the, um, I put the note, they pretend to shoot him, but it's empty. Helga made sure he is too. Hey. <laughs> Blowjob joke, guys. I, uh, I know. That's why that's I went, hey. <laughs> uh, baby. So, uh, uh, so he runs out of time, but then he turns the computer around. Access granted. He made it work, guys. Yep. Um, Halle, Halle Berry starts making out with him while they're arguing. That's... She says she well, can help him. But again, I thought the move was she was making out with him because somebody came walking by. Oh, into the bathroom, right? Right. Because they're in the bathroom, and she's talking to him, and someone walks in the bathroom, and then so she, like, starts making out with him. I thought that was, like, the just to, like, just throw him off know, the scent. Right? Throw him off the scent or whatever. And no, she's actually making out with him. Yeah, she's just making out with him. Um, so now we get to the FBI has discovered Stanley Jobson's at the, at the airport. Um, we find out that Don Cheadle was the one that arrested him years ago. We find out that the stepdad's company uh, is called Backdoor Films. Yes. Like that. Very on the nose. Well, I guess not yeah. the nose. Um, <laughs> John Travolta and, uh, and Halle Berry ask him how he broke the code, to which he says he just sees it in his head and can't explain it. And I wrote the note, is that how hacking works? It does for Magic Johnson. Pretty much in movies, yeah. I, I mean, it, I, we'll get to it later, but hacking is one of the dumbest things that keeps popping up in movies. So uh, John Travolta offers $10 million to crack a 512-bit encryption, to which my note was John Travolta's spray tan is distracting. Was there a spray tan? Yeah, man. He looks so bizarre in this movie. 
I'm just locked in on the fruit roll up the whole time. I can't yeah, look at anything fair. else. That's fair. Um, and then, and then for some reason, Halle Berry's like, he's like, she kind of grabs his inner leg, um, and says, are you surprised that a girl with an IQ over 70 can give you a hard on? I like, I thought now I thought she might be talking about Holga, Helga, whatever the one the blowjob girl. Yeah. Because why would she call? Why would she say that? <laughs> also 70s, a low number. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uncomfortably low. What is, right? is, is Halle Berry sitting at 75? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> I think she just called herself a retard. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not totally sure here what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Um, they have a deal. Now we get to the infamous Halle Berry topless scene where she's, she's sitting oh. by the pool reading a book. And it made this movie all the worth it, man. Totally did. Yeah. Um, those, look, look, I don't something. I don't I don't want to be crude here, you know. I don't want to be um I don't want to be that guy or anything, but uh I mean just bravo. I just thought, I mean, I, spectacular. I, Zach, I thought you said I don't want to be crude here, I don't want to be that guy. But uh <laughs> So yeah, uh she was uh, she got an extra fee of five hundred thousand dollars as we mentioned earlier, which uh, I mean that is an underpay. Oh, underpay, man! Uh, this underpay. is on top of her initial fee of two million dollars. Uh, by the way, Bridget Moyahan turned down the part because she considered it gratuitous nudity. I mean, it was it it definitely was. Yeah, like this there, movie, no- not not a knock on Bridget Moyahan, but this is. Not the success it was if it's her instead of Halle Berry. Bridget Moynihan is is not working with the same type of equipment. Right. I don't even Just know white. what Bridget Moynihan's equipment looks like. No, nobody does. Tom Brady does. Oh, yeah. okay. good point. I thought, I mean, this was one of the most forced, unnecessary scenes. Obviously, we know why it's in there. But my note right after this is a lot of terrible sunglasses in this movie. A lot. Yes, yeah. I've got that note Early later t- on. Early yeah. 2000s is a time for terrible sunglasses. Yeah, it's not a great time. Um, the whole point of the scene, by the way, of her being topless and him walking up to her, he wants to borrow her car. Yeah. That's it. To go the see bro, his daughter. The bros thought this would be a good time to, to insert some titties. It, it reminds me of maybe a future movie uh, that we could do. I don't know the rating of it on Rotten Tomatoes, but Universal Soldier 2. Oh, it definitely, definitely will qualify. Yeah, because they, in that movie, they go to a strip club to use the internet. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but that's the whole reason they go to a strip club is to use the internet. Um, so Hugh is off to see his daughter. I wrote the note. His daughter is dressed like an asshole and has a cell phone. No, oh, oh, the complete asshole down to these ridiculous sunglasses. Yeah. That, like, but those no, sunglasses do pay off. I mean, I know, but no kid is allowed to dress like that at, at, <laughs> what, at what looks like a, a public school. Uh, he picks her up from school, eventually takes her home to the porn king of California or Southern California's home. Uh, FBI tracks him there. And then one of the most confusing attempts at, a, at an escape I've ever seen. Yeah, my note was the fuck kind of escape plan is this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he's in a car. He's in Halle Berry's car. An <laughs> agent gets in the passenger seat. He elbows the guy in the face. He backs the car up to hit the other FBI car to close the door. And Don Cheadle has to like jump out of the way. Then he gets out of the car and starts running through houses and yards before jumping down a beachside hill. A cliff. It's not a, a cliff. Hill. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. That was and, – and, and the way that they tracked him down, they all jump off the cliff and roll down the sandy hill. 
And that's a long fall. It's a long, long I mean, sequence. It is, it is Family Guy, Griffin versus the Chicken long. <laughs> the thing that killed me was if the dude with the car, like he, first of all, he didn't incapacitate the FBI car. He just hit their door. Yeah, he just closed the door. <laughs> <laughs> and he got himself closer to the guns, which I was like, what? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't he just drive off after that? But then the guy in the in the in the Chevy Caprice or whatever the hell they drive in ends up intercepting him at the bottom anyway. <laughs> How could they possibly know? It's a great that, question. At just the right time, too. It wasn't even like they were waiting for him. He literally just rolled up right as the dude rolls off the hill. They catch him. We find out that Hugh Jackman is is way in over his and head. By the, and by the way, they, they took it very well. Oh, they couldn't have been more pleasant. Like they got el- one dude gets elbowed in the face, one dude almost gets run over, and then one dude's car gets messed up, and they don't even rough him up. To be honest with you, um, I mean they're they're just very understanding FBI agents. I mean, it's your classic yeah. FBI agent. We just wanted to talk. I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, they just wanted to talk. But now I've got to arrest you for assaulting three officers. Arrest you now? I'm gonna fuck you up, man. <laughs> Because, but especially when we know that Don Cheadle fucked up a lawyer. Yeah. He yeah. fucked up a lawyer. He fucked up a lawyer and said, eat a dick. <laughs> this man takes no prisoners. Oh, my God, man. My favorite part of this scene was that Don Cheadle makes his partner hold his business cards. Yeah. Get in the car. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. Oh, what, so a, we, what a bitch. <laughs> so now we go back to John Travolta's house. Halle Berry is undressing and wearing a wire. Uh, Hugh Jackman Caesar. Like, wouldn't this be the natural point to have her tits out? Fantastic point. Yeah. I wrote the note. The movie's kind of flying by because it actually does go by pretty quick. It's only 90 minutes long. Yeah. And it's a quick 90 minutes. Uh, She tells Hugh Jackman that she's DEA. John Travolta walks in. Hugh hides the wire from him. John Travolta takes him out of the room. They go to a coffee shop. And guess what, guys? It's the coffee shop from the opening scene of the movie. Oh, foreshadowing. And that's when John Travolta tells him about Operation Swordfish, which in the 1980s government set up the dummy corporations to launder drug money. But those companies found out that they were making money and $400 million got placed into bank accounts after interest from 15 years. That money is now $9.5 billion. Wow. Wants them to drop in a hydro worm. And collect the money. This is when we find out the FBI is, is staking out John Travolta's house. They got pictures. Um, I, I, mu- I must admit my note-taking falls off dramatically. Does it? <laughs> Hugh Jackman puts the system or puts the worm in the system, uh, the virus in the system. And I found the note that uh, the actors were all reacting to blank computer screens. The graphics were added later, which I wrote, of course. Yeah. What a what a dumb note. And then uh, apparently in the movie, there's one scene where the word algorithm is on the computer screen and it's spelled incorrectly. Nice. It's spelled like rhythm. Nice. Yeah. I, I did not notice that, but also uh, there was a point in time where I didn't fall asleep, but definitely <laughs> was resting my eyes and just listening. <laughs> Uh, we get the, we get back to the senator. Senator's back in the picture. He's on the phone with John Travolta. We find out they've been working together. Uh, that he's, he shows them that they have pics of uh, that there are pics of Travolta taking him by the FBI. The senator um, got them from the FBI. Says they're aborting the operation, but John Travolta will not allow it. Senator wants him out. By the way, Nick Nolte originally considered for the role of the senator. 
Oh, he would have done a good job. Would have done a great job. Yeah. Uh, then we get a Hugh Jackman hacking montage. Once again, he's Hugh Hackman. You know, I'm actually surprised that we only had one hacking montage in this in this movie. It's a great uh, point. Yeah, that was definitely a shocker. Also, put in the note right here. Uh, according to the subtitles, a techno rap song. Yeah, techno rap, baby. <laughs> This is, I mean, this movie had a pretty sick soundtrack. It's, it's, it's Matrix ripoff 2001 soundtrack. It's a very 2001 soundtrack. And by the way, hacking montage involves like a lot of Hugh Jackman talking to himself. It Come also, on. Come it, on, baby. yeah, yeah right, he's hyping himself up. Uh, it also looks like I've never seen someone type in, with the form that Hugh Jackman types with. His hands are right next to each other. They're right next and to each other, and they're directly above the keyboard. Like, you know, some people kind of have the, the fingers out. His fingers go straight down. Yes. He types away. <laughs> he types away, yeah. Uh, he starts looking for more wine. He comes across this corpse of John Travolta and thinks he's dead, but John Travolta walks around the corner. He's alive. Says he looks like he's seen a ghost. Says they're which gonna is, take a drive. Which is only the hackiest line ever. Every time in every hacky movie, someone sees somebody they thought was dead. Yeah. The person I've never seen someone and asked them if they thought they seen a ghost or they no. look like they seen a ghost no. in my life. I don't know what that looks like. So then we get uh, this exchange, I mean, where John Travolta says, Have you ever heard of Harry Houdini? Have you ever heard of Harry Houdini? Well, he wasn't like today's magicians who are only interested in television ratings. He was an artist. He could make an elephant disappear in the middle of a theater filled with people. And do you know how he did that? Misdirection. What the fuck are you talking about? Misdirection. What the eyes see and the ears hear, the mind believes. To which Hugh Jackman responds, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. To which I, res- I responded, great question, Hugh. <laughs> John Travolta says, misdirection, what the eyes and the ears hear, the mind believes. Skip. Skip. <laughs> He's just yelling out Skip's name. <laughs> um, they've got a tail. John Travolta starts to speed away. He grabs guns. The escalation is just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, it's just, it's from, oh, we've got a tail to, I'm going to shoot everybody. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it was re- completely ridiculous, but I thought it was a pretty cool car chase action sequence and it's just because it's a cool car you know obviously it's the gone 60 seconds experience carrying over to this movie he wanted to get some cars involved i looked up the car he was driving because i didn't recognize it it's a tvr tuscan okay like a small british sports car company i don't know yeah the the uh the car you know the the steering wheel is on the other side so that definitely uh that's um, how you know it's a bad guy, though. Yeah, oh, because he gets his, his cars that yeah. drive on the wrong side of the road. He pops the trunk, pulls out a heavy machine gun, unloads on more SUVs coming after him. They get away after a lot of destruction. John Travolta says he has 12 hours to get the Hydro Worm going. Uh, Hallie is trying to tell him to not leave and just finish the job. Do it for your daughter, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> Every time anyone wants him to do anything. That's it. Yeah. He's the man for the job. Just do it for your daughter. And then every time, every time they mention his daughter, he always has the same pained look on his face. Oh, yeah. It's a, oh. it's a, it's a tough moment for him. Man. Oh, really you got is. me. Oh, so you now, got me again. Now, for really no reason, we go to Bend, Oregon. There's a helicopter flying very low. It lands where the senator is fly fishing. Okay, wait. So that was Oregon? Yeah, Bend, Oregon. So the senator lives in Virginia. Right. 
So he goes to Oregon for a fly fishing trip, apparently by himself. Are we to believe that he is the senator of Oregon? <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Like why? Why? Why tell us we're in Bend, Oregon? Well, uh, look, I thought he was a senator from Virginia. That's, I mean, same. Here, here's why. Because obviously everything Travolta is doing is on the West Coast. It's in L.A. So you can't have him go all the way to like Washington, D.C. to do this. Then why not make him the senator of Oregon from the get-go? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> the bros didn't think that that far. Yeah, I wrote, the, I wrote the note. I don't know what the fuck John Travolta is wearing right now. He looks like a beatnik <laughs> student in Soho. <laughs> Another fire line right when he gets off the helicopter. Yet I never understood the appeal of fly fishing, Jim. A little bit too much like masturbation to me without the payoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah why? why? I've, I've never heard that. When I watched A River Runs Through It, I never heard masturbation once in that movie. <laughs> it's like he saw Sam Jackson in a movie once and thought, I could wear that. <laughs> like He's wearing a Sam Jackson outfit. Which, by the way, he dresses like that in real life. Does he? Yeah, I've seen him with the Kangol a lot of times. Oh, okay. The well, yeah, because he's got, he's got a hair situation. It's not great, right? Yeah, yeah you got to go with the Kangol. Um, uh, he, he, we find out he says he's changed his identity so many times he doesn't know who he is anymore. How many times do you think you have to change your identity before you forget what the original was? Well, put, let's put a pin in that because we got to come back to that at the end because I got okay. big questions. Uh, wants to know why the senator turned on him. Then as he shoots him, he, so he shoots the senator. He says Thomas Jefferson once shot a man on the White House lawn for treason. Shoots the senator. Uh, we find the aide in D.C. gets blown up in a car. Um, and then there's the note that is in the, the trivia section of the IMDb page for this movie, it says Thomas Jefferson did not shoot a man on the white house lawn for treason. This movie is the source of that rumor. (laughs) They're fucking making shit up. I mean, (laughs) they're rewriting history. Uh, That's that's, that's pretty badass. You can come up with something wholly erroneous. Oh my God. Rather than people laugh at you, like you actually start a rumor. A rumor I mean, of something that happened like 300 or 250 years ago. Yes. Uh, that's I'm amazing. impressed. <laughs> that's so amazing. Yeah, I couldn't believe that he compared himself to Thomas Jefferson before he shot yeah. someone. That was so and good. Then, and then he wants to tell uh, he wants to tell Hugh Jackman who he is, right? He says he agrees he's a murderer, but he says he has ethics. I'm going to do something against my better judgment. I'm going to tell you who I am. Don't bother. I know who you are. Do you? I think that you think I'm a bank robber. The truth is that I'm just like you. Like me? Mm-hmm. No, because you're a murderer. That I am, and worse, much worse. But I do have ethics, rules to which I adhere. Look, I have no idea why the fuck you're telling me all this. Well, if you listen, then you will. You ask who those men were, and I'm going to tell you. J. Edgar Hoover started a secret organization in the 1950s called Black Cell. This was to protect the freedoms of this country at all costs. I don't care about any of this. All I care about is my daughter. I'm talking about your daughter. I'm talking about you and your daughter and 200 million other Americans who take their freedoms for granted. I see. You don't understand what it takes to protect those freedoms. That's my job, Stanley. To protect your way of life. So you and your band of lunatics are really stealing all this money just to protect little old me. That's right, Stanley. Because wars cost money. 
War. Who are we at war with? Anyone who impinges on America's freedom. Terrorist states, damn it. Someone must bring their war to them. They bomb a church, we bomb 10. They hijack a plane, we take out an airport. They execute American tourists, we tactically nuke an entire city. Our job is to make terrorism so horrific that it becomes unthinkable to attack Americans. You're not going in over the phone lines. You're going into the fucking bank. And you're coming with us. I'll be over in 24 hours. You're a rich man, Stanley. Pretty soon you'll be on a yacht with your daughter and in a good life, eating bonbons, the American dream. And just think, in the end, you have done your small part in ensuring America's way of life. You're a hero, Stan. Pre-9-11. Yeah, and also pre-9-11, a very ominous, you know, retrospect, very ominous thing. He says, they hijack a plane, we take out an airport. Yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see we see in this in this little war room there's a model of a bus in the bank. Um, Stanley escapes by pulling the plug. Lights go out. Travolta says to let him go. He'll be back. Uh, then we get Hummers crushing or crashing into the bank. I just some of the bus like, the street. Some of the strategies like I, I don't understand why that was necessary. Yeah. Um, this is like, where I wrote I wrote the note that Mays had earlier. The choice the sunglass choices in this movie are upsetting. Also, why do bad guys wear suits to commit crimes? Like, you're going to be yeah, running, it's not you're going to be shooting people. Like, wouldn't yeah. you want, like, some sweats or something, like, flexible? Instead, yeah. they always got a suit and tie. And I just thought to myself, that must be so uncomfortable. Yeah, there's no flexibility there. None. Um, you got to bend over for anything? Yeah. So they take the hostages. Hugh shows up to the porn king of Southern California's home. Uh, the porn king of Southern California and the ex-wife are dead. The daughter's nowhere to be found. Her room is in disarray, and that's where we see the sunglasses. The sunglasses. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I said, and I said, Holly's bullshit sunglasses ain't make it. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, we're back to the scene with the rolling ball bearing. The explosion's back. One of the worst connective transitions in a movie. Oh it doesn't God. make any sense. It doesn't At set all. up the monologue from the beginning. Like, no. why is no. Don Cheadle in the room no. with them? No. I don't get it. At what point was Hugh Jackman, Don Cheadle, and Travolta all speaking to each other? Like, we never figure out how that comes to be. Right. Uh, who are these other cops who are out of control and just making decisions and not listening to the FBI agent who is, like, on top of this case? Like it's just none of that. It's almost like the reason why they they did the four days or five days earlier and, and took us back wasn't because they really wanted the movie to start with that monologue. Rather, they did it because they just didn't want to have to make dots connect. Like if we separate the two scenes by about an hour of movie, people will forget about how he got there in the first place. Here, here's what I think happened: is I think that. Uh, who's our guy? What's what's the guy's Skip. name? Skip. Yeah, Skip. Skip. I think I think Skip. Uh, I think Skip had to rewrite this movie so much that at a certain point they had shot that scene with a monologue, and he had re- rewritten the script so much that he he fucked up and he left a chunk out of it, and he was and they didn't know how to get around that, so they just 
decided like, all right, we'll just start this at the beginning and then we'll just cut back to it. And there's no explanation. Yeah. I was thinking maybe he wrote the monologue first before he wrote the rest of the movie. That's definitely the first thing he wrote in this movie is that monologue. And then also, yeah. So he just like started with that scene and, and worked his way outwards and just didn't connect the dots. So now Travolta's demanding a plane on a runway. Um, uh, let's see. Travolta has Hughes' daughter, shows her to him. It's not time for him to finish the job. He up- uploads the virus, gets his daughter to leave. Uh, but as she's leaving, the money is being erased. Uh, it's being transferred and hopping around all these different accounts all over the world every 60 seconds. Uh, Hugh hits the henchman. The daughter escapes. The FBI grabs her. This time she doesn't, someone doesn't explode when they grab her. Uh, but he can't hack into it he says there's a 1024 bit cipher encrypted virus to hide the money let's see he tries to hang Halle Berry to entice Hugh Jackman to which again like this. I'm like if Halle Berry gonna die all right okay and then I'll be out yeah there, there's no real connection other than he saw what? her tits like yeah and they made out in the bathroom oh right yeah yeah, yeah. um and he puts the money they've, they've all because of the beginning of the movie no they've only known each other for four days Right. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. <laughs> like, these are all like reasons. I mean, she like, is. She is ridiculous looking to me. Like you could fall uh, in love with her at first sight. Maybe. But he's no slouch himself. He's a good looking guy. I mean, I don't, I don't know, know, man. I, no. I just, I, don't think, I, I just. I just think I would have ran away. Like, I'm like ah! yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd be like, well, you're fucked. I'm out. Because <laughs> he's right. You can't kill him because he's the only one that can right help him get his money. So yeah. he says, if you then, don't, if you don't do it, I'll kill her. I'm like, all right. He's like, yeah, but my daughter's safe. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so he puts the money in a Monte Carlo bank. They bring Halle Berry down, but then John Travolta shoots her in the chest. Uh, tells Hugh that he knew she was DEA. Hostages get loaded on a bus. Uh, Bullet Tooth Tony's loading missiles and rocket launchers into a suitcase. Um, they don't take the bus to the airport. They divert it. Well, this is when the movie turns into speed. Yeah. For like 15 minutes. Oh, well, it turns into speed. And, and, and it is like, I do think fast five ripped this off a little bit. Yeah. With the, when the, when the helicopter picks up the bus. Yeah. Yeah. So the helicopter attaches to the bus, the bus gets lifted into the air, but as it's transporting the bus, the wind makes it difficult to navigate in the air. Some bullshit, uh, crashes into a building before, before they get lifted off. I have my final sexual. Comment. Yep. yep. Thank you, Mean. I, I I know what you're thinking. You're thinking if that launcher were a suppository, would that bad man stick it up my arse? Like who was thinking that? <laughs> it's a confusing jumping logic. <laughs> like it just it's just so random. Yeah. Randomly sexual for no reason. It's like the Maxim Bros were on set, right? And yeah. they just decided like like, oh, that looks like bruh, a dick. Bruh. Exactly. Was that Bullet Tooth Tony's first line? No, no, no. no. There's a point. There's a point early in the movie where he tells John Travolta he doesn't trust Hugh Jackman. Trust him. I kind of wish that was his only line, though. It's close. He doesn't have many. So no, he doesn't have many. So they they crash the bus into the building. The building's hanging vertically. Uh, Bullet Tooth Tony and a hostage slide out the back of the bus. They fall to the death, except before they hit the ground, it explodes. To which there's this note, I mean, Vinnie Jones, a.k.a. Bullet Tooth Tony, was supposed to do the stunt. But John Travolta stopped him, and a stuntman did it instead. The wire broke. The stuntman fell 60 to 70 (laughs) feet onto a concrete floor and broke his spine. So John Travolta used his Scientology powers to see the future. Yes! Like, next. <laughs> and he saved Bullet Tooth Tony's life. That is nuts. That's Knowing. wild. 
That is wild. That is that is final destination shit. Yeah, Damn. that is crazy. Also, I don't know why they would have that stunt like actually happen. What's the point of it? Right? Like, how is this not a green screen? Green screen of yeah, like, like eight feet in the air. Yeah, I'm like, like, wait, they actually did this. <laughs> if, they, if their technology is so great that they don't know what's real and what's composite in these in these like, like this would seem like a much easier area to use CGI. Oh my god! Of any of them, yes. Uh, the bus is set on the top of a skyscraper. FBI is storming the building. They're very good at tracking this in the air. Um, and then John Travolta says, not everything ends the way you think it should. Besides, audiences love happy endings. He escapes to a, hel- a helicopter. Hugh rushes to the bus to get the rocket launcher. He which blows they left up- on the bus for some reason. Right, which <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he blows up the, uh, the helicopter as the FBI tackles him. Now we cut to an autopsy room. It's the burnt version of John Travolta. Uh, they couldn't find Halle Berry in the record books of the DEA at all. Uh, he was doing the math in his head and going through these flashbacks, uh, and he figures out that they escaped down a stairwell on the roof. Yep, we get a flashback to the. We get a callback to the Houdini speech. Right. Yes. Good call We're about deception, and you know not, everything is not what it seems. Misdirection, yeah. But but it, but it the, doesn't the, explain how they would have escaped because still didn't the FBI storm that building? Well, not only that, but also. So let me get this straight: you're betting on someone that's going to grab a rocket launcher yep. and blow the helicopter up. Because yeah. if no one blows the helicopter up, we clearly see that you guys are. Not in the helicopter. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Bullet Tooth Tony brings the RPG for no reason other than for Hugh Jackman to check off it and shoot the helicopter down. But John Travolta already knew that was going to happen. Yeah, this is a checker's chest situation, Maze. I think that's, that's the only way to explain it. And so Hugh plays along, realizing what's happened. He confirms that the body is dead. And so we learn through, we learn through his flashbacks that it's the corpse that he saw. Yes. So the body is paid off there, but now my question is, how the where the fuck did this body come from? Like, why was it in the wine cellar? Why is it in the wine cellar? Is it actually like John Travolta? You know, it's the identity of the person who's the Mossad agent, Gabriel, whatever. Yeah. Who is John Travolta really? How do you get it? Like, did he have surgery to get changed into this person? You know, like I, I just have a lot of questions. He's changed his identity so many times he doesn't know who he is. So I don't even think he could answer that question. So I'm, I'm guessing my working theory would be that he had plastic surgery to look like this former Mossad agent that he killed. I guess so. Is it a nod to face off in a way? Kind of. Kind of. Like a little bit of a hat tip to that, right? Yeah. Um, Hugh and his daughter are in a diner. They're on a road trip. There's really no meaning to that. They just let us know they're on a road trip. I think it was just to have a truck and a trailer. It's basically they're setting up a Paper Moon sequel, Tony Medley's favorite movie, Paper Moon. Oh, <laughs> in Monte Carlo. Uh, now Halle Berry shows up to the bank in a disguise. They're transferring the money uh, to multiple accounts. Um, Travolta's, I wrote, the, I wrote in all caps, Travolta's hair here is unacceptable. He got a haircut. It's time he got fat. New. It's Guy Fieri like. He's like twenty pounds heavier. He was he was already fat. No, he's like twenty pounds heavier. No, I think it's the framing of the hair that makes him look fat. Um, um, also, they, uh, I, oh, how did they, no one explain how Halle Berry like survived over almost choking to death and then being shot. Yeah, it's a great question. Then we they're speeding away on a boat. 
and we get a news report playing over of a terrorist dying on a yacht. Then the yacht blows up in the shot. I didn't understand and, that either. And I, and I wrote in an exclamation point, Travolta. He's done it again. Okay. I just didn't understand. I was just like, wait, what? So some, some news and notes. Uh, John Travolta turned down the part of Gabriel a total of six times. <laughs> he changed his mind when he heard what the director, Dominic Senna, had to say on it. What the director has to say? Wait, wait, wait. Did he change his mind when he got all of his family to be extras in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was like, nope, only five I mean, members. Mom, I will turn down a fifth your time. Your sister and your brother. How about that? <laughs> and Tom Cruise's brother. Fuck it. <laughs> the film was withdrawn from cinema shortly after the terrorist attacks on 9-11 due to a scene involving an exploding building. Um... John What's Cusack he? and Val Kilmer were originally considered for the part of Stanley. Ultimately, Dominic Senna opted for Hugh Jackman because he didn't bring too much baggage from other films with him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, John Travolta believes about the, the the Gabriel character, a man who believes bad things have to be done for the greater good, which I wrote, is he the original Thanos? You know, I actually think I thought about Thanos, too, when he talked about curing all the world's diseases. Yeah. He related that to what he does, which is kill people and blow shit up <laughs> right i'm like oh that's yeah kind of like thanos how can you justify all this not looking at the big picture stan here's a scenario you have the power to cure all the world's diseases but the price for this is that you must kill a single innocent child could you kill that child stanley nope you disappoint me it's the greatest good well how about 10 innocents now you're getting it how about 100 how about a thousand not to save the world, but to preserve our way of life. No man has a right to make that decision. You're no different from any other terrorist. You're wrong, Stanley. Thousands die every day for no reason at all. Where's your bleeding heart for them? You give your $20 to Greenpeace every year thinking you're changing the world? What countries will harbor terrorists when they realize the consequences of what I'll do? All right, so unfortunately, since it's a movie pre-2002, we do not have a Tony Medley review. That's a shame. But what I can offer up to you, Amin, yes. is a review of The Born Identity and The Born Supremacy. Why not? And the, and the, the reason... Fairly uh, popular movies. Yes, fairly popular movies. Uh, Born Identity in 2002, Born Supremacy in 2004. And the reason I bring this up is because The Born Identity gets a 3 out of 10. Wow. I was looking forward to this movie because I read Robert Ludlum's book several decades ago. While it wasn't Ludlum's best, that would be the Iger sanction. The Born Identity was an enjoyable read. Unfortunately, this review is not about Clint Eastwood or Jack Cassidy or Robert Ludlum. It's about Matt Damon and director Doug Lyman. Damon's a good-looking guy whose best role was his cameo as Private Ryan. Maybe he's best off when he's off screen and when people are looking for him. Here, however, he's on screen while people are looking for him. For some unknown reason, Lyman went, uh, apparently wanted to show a totally emotionless protagonist. So he made a good pick in Damon, whose display of emotions, in Dorothy Parker's words, runs the gamut from A to B. One thing you can say about Ludlum's novels, both good and bad, is his protagonists were emotional. One of the many problems, other than Damon's lack of emotion, is the fact that there's no suspense. This guy is so in control that you never doubt he's going to come to harm. He knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. For example, he deduces there's a hitman outside just because a dog is missing. Then he finds a guy who's hiding in a huge weed-filled field surrounding a farmhouse in the country with no clues. Before a shot is fired, he knows exactly where to go look for him. You want more? 
The fight scenes are poorly staged and unrealistic. One Hollywood punch after another. Damon kills his last guy in a derivative scene copied from Guilty as Sin. A pretty good Don Johnson, Rebecca DeMarnay thriller that virtually nobody saw. It was ludicrous in Guilty as Sin, and it's still ludicrous. More? Take the car chase, please. Why do directors continue to liven up movies with even more implausible car chases? No one's ever going to achieve the standard set by Peter Yates in Bullet. The fact that Chasey in The Born Identity is a mini Cooper and is mostly going the wrong way on one-way streets, a cheap trick which to which Yates didn't have a resort and didn't have to resort to in Bullet should be a telling tip. It's an uninvolving and unsuspenseful as the rest of the movie. The filmmakers must have been as confused as make their audience because they explain virtually nothing. The words sailing through your mind as you leave this theater is, huh? And speaking of mysteries, if you do happen to go see this, please explain how Damon discovered what he discovers at the end. Huh? On the plus side, I didn't go to sleep. <laughs> oh, wow. So the reason I bring that up, mean is because The Born Supremacy, two years later, 10 out of 10. Wow. <laughs> see? A real that, turnaround. That just, shows, just shows that Tony is not setting his ways. Jason Bourne, played by Matt Damon, is my kind of superhero. What? He can't fly. He bleeds. He can get injured and presumably killed. But he's always in control, even when, as here, he's alone and the entire entire world is after him. Even though Matt Damon is the quote-unquote star of this film, ably supported by Joan Allen as his nemesis, Pamela Landy, Brian Cox as Ward Abbott, Jason's prior director, and Julia Stiles as Nikki, someone Jason just might trust. This is not an actor's movie. The true stars of the movie are director Paul Greengrass, cinematographer Oliver Wood, and John Powell's music. They start this like a rocket, and the tempo increases from there. The music constantly reminding you to not relax. Cinematography consists of lots of quick cuts and handheld cameras. Wait, these are... These are all the things that he criticized. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the cinematography and music make you feel as though you're in a hundred yard dash, though less longer than ten than ten thousand meters. What? Uh, there's not one slow second in this. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the car chase. Since Bullet, 1968, if directors have thrown one car chase at us, they've thrown hundreds, if not thousands, each more absurd and boring than what came before. Greengrass, however, has given given us a classic. At my screen, the conclusion of the chase brought applause, which is richly deserved. There's nothing to be gained by writing anymore. Anything I could tell you spoils the movie. With constant tension, this is a thriller at its best. I was I was waiting for him to say one negative note. I did fall asleep. <laughs> so Tony Medley, big turnaround when it came to the born born supremacy from the born identity. Everything he hated about the first one, he loved about the second one. Except he still hates Matt Damon. Still hates Matt Damon. Okay, that was that is so radically different. It sounds like there's two goddamn Tonys. Yeah. So verdict for Swordfish: phobe or file? I mean, I'll start with you. Like, I don't want you to misinterpret this, but for a, a terrible movie with a lot of weird dialogue that made no sense and gratuitous titty showing and all that, it held my attention better than most of the movies they reviewed. So didn't I'm going to throw it Did you rest your eyes at one point, Tony Medley? I did. I did. I did. But I'm going to go file. I'm going to go file. File. Go file. Wow. Halle Berry's tits did it for me. Pushed me over the edge. <laughs> Maze? I fucking enjoyed the hell out of it. It was fun. I file it big time. We gotta sweep it because that's a file for me. I will watch wow. this movie. I'll watch this movie again. I wow. will watch it with people. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the challenge now. I want to watch it with people. I I the thing I hate so much 
is when you're watching a movie that you haven't seen that a friend of yours has seen, they recommend they watch it with you, how they're just looking at you at all times to see if you're laughing at the right <laughs> yeah, parts. Yeah. But I would I 100% that. do that with this movie. I watch do that it with all friends. the time, man. I can't, I can't front. I'm, the, I'm that dude where I know the big, big laughs coming. I, I start, I have a big smile on my face. And I, <laughs> so th- sometimes I'll just try to cut my eyes over in direction just to, sometimes, sometimes it's like, I just want to, it's not even like I'm expecting the laughter. It's just, I want to make sure, like you're you're picking up on these jokes, and heaven help you if you're like checking your phone at that. Oh, point. Yeah. oh you missed it. <laughs> this might be a Dave Chappelle like lock up your phone scenario for Swordfish. Yeah. Like I need you to, I need you to go all in on this one. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, that's a file. That's a sweep. Wow. I I don't. We haven't had many sweeps. Files tra- like us is the only. That's unanimous the only other file. one. No. Wow. Have we had a unanimous phobe? Unanimous oh, phobe yeah. was last last week. It was Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to the Patreon subscribers. Uh, Patreon.com slash count the dings. If you want to pass that along to your friends and get them to subscribe to this podcast and other podcasts, we've got all kinds of stuff in there. Make sure to drop your comments about this in the Discord chat under the Cinephobe channel. Uh, submit your suggestions for movies. Uh, make sure that it's a bad movie in terms of Rotten Tomatoes ratings, though, because some some good movies have been suggested. And uh, and look, man, we we got to keep it to a certain formula before we start, you know, branching out it, into the. Someone asked us to review the Star Wars trailer. I'm like, it's, it's, it's not just like. A- like we're like we're 15 episodes in. You haven't figured a theme yet. <laughs> what we're doing here? Tell your friends. Drop your thoughts in the Discord. Uh, retweet the episodes. Tell us what you think on uh, on Twitter at Darthamine, at Talk Hoops, at Corn Puzzle, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Cinefolk. Mm-hmm.